1: Yes, that is a live picture of Daytona and it's 4th of July weekend. It doesn't get any better than this. Two big races on tap, the Xfinity Series tonight and the Cup Series tomorrow on NBC. Have we mentioned that we've had some weather? We saw it yesterday. Of course, uh, Cup qualifying was canceled due to some precipitation, the threat of lightning. And the Peacock Pit Box is back Uh Better than ever after being repaired from that wind in Chicagoland. We have just had, we're two for two, we're I back guess, on the, the she shed, <laughs>
2: We're back on the she
1: Sheila. We're back on the she You got it in early. Got it in early. Yeah, back in the, I can't even say it, with Kyle Petty, Dale Jarrett. Uh, yeah, cup qualifying uh, set by, uh, they'll be set by owner points. And for the last five races here, it had been a Hendrick Motorsports driver on the pole. Instead, tomorrow night, it will be Joey Logano uh, because, again, it was canceled. I mean, really here, though, it doesn't necessarily matter where you start, if it's going to be canceled, but Joey Logano on the pole.
3: Yeah, it, it, no, it doesn't matter, but it's nice if you start up front. I think yeah. that it allows you to be a little more, if you can be any relaxed at all before one of these super speedway races, uh, it helps a little bit with that. But it's going to be interesting now as we see a lot of the people that we thought might vie for the pole yes. that are starting back and as they make their way forward in that first stage. Yeah, that's the interesting part to me. Guys that really felt like they had a shot
2: at, at getting the pole position, at being up front, getting that pit selection, getting certain things. They had to give up as soon as the rain came. So it changes some of their strategy, changes the way they approach the race, but it makes those uh, first 20 or 30 laps interesting to see if they get there.
3: Yeah, and I was quite certain that if they would have qualified that Brad Keselowski and William Byron <laughs> were going to start somewhere really near each other. Yeah, that's just the always way things happen, way. you know. It's
1: funny you mention that because that has been the big story. It all happened on the track yesterday during practice with this moment right here. Brad Kozlowski in the two. That's William Byron in the 24. Again, this was during a practice session. Here's another look at it. So what was said yesterday after this on the track? Brad Kozlowski thought William Byron was blocking. He said, I'm not going to have it. Here is what Brad Kozlowski had to say. Again, this was yesterday followed by fresh comments today.
4: Uh, just, I had a big run and uh, it put me in a position where I had to lift and I, I keep telling these guys I'm not lifting so I um, hate it for his team and, and that they got to work on their car and so do ours but uh, just trying to send a message I'm not lifting
3: So it was as a veteran move time for you to send a message you feel?
4: Yeah, I mean, I'm mean i tired of getting wrecked at the play tracks I've been wrecked out of four out of these last five races quite honestly because I let people pull moves like that on me so they're all watching, they know Be really good at plate racing, you need to get pushes from cars behind you and the car behind you cannot see what the car in front of you does so if you have to lift for that car in front of you uh, the car behind you is not going to know and he's going to wreck you uh, it's just that's how this racing works so uh, if that's the case and you're the first car of the three then you better make for damn sure that uh, when you pull that move and, and you're asking that guy to take contact that you can hold on to it watched it a couple times and I mean. I just feel like it was unnecessary. Still, I haven't really. I talked to Brad and um, got his opinion, and I really appreciate him talking to me because um, that helped kind of just understand where he was coming from. But I just, I still feel like it was uh, unnecessary for practice. Where's and, he
5: coming from?
1: Did you ask to talk to him?
4: Um, yeah, yeah, I wanted to talk to him because I felt like you know he probably didn't expect me to talk to him, and um, I need to talk to him about things like that. and um, Need to hear, kind of hear where he's coming from, so I don't draw my own conclusion which probably isn't going to be a good one so um, yeah I think it's important you know guys don't talk enough to people nowadays and um, you know we need to handle thing like things like that
1: okay let's start with that again William Byron's comments were just a couple of hours ago so that was in the media center here today what do you think about the 21 year old it sounded like being the one to sort of reach out and, and go and talk to Brad
3: Very mature of him. And I think we've kind of expected that from William Byron. But I appreciate him reaching out. And it was good that Brad was willing to talk to him and that they could – Somewhat iron things out. It didn't say. It still sounds like they have a different opinion. But that's that's two race drivers looking at things completely different in the way that that everything happened. And uh, you know, Brad has sent his message. But I, I'm really glad that they did yeah. do that. I think as William said, there too many times that gets lost and how important that really is.
2: Yeah, and 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 I think that's the big deal that that I took away from what what William said was, you know, he felt the need to reach out to try to understand the other side. He has his side. He just wants to try to understand. He still think it's, thinks it's uncalled for. Yeah. He, it's, it's unfortunate. He still thinks it's uncalled for. But that shows great maturity. Both these guys are champion drivers. One in the Cup, one in Xfinity. They're championship drivers. Uh, and I think that these guys should show each other that respect. And I think by William reaching out, that shows that he does respect Brad. Yeah. But he wants to know how
3: I fit into your game plan.
1: Well, and where is this all? I mean, Brad talked about where this is all coming from in terms yeah. of past races here at Daytona.
3: Yeah. And, and Brad is used to running up front and being able to kind of control things and the way that things happen. And over the last few races here, as he said, four out of five, that hasn't happened that way. He's got run into from behind. He's got turned into accidents. And when you get in situations like that, you start looking at, at why am I in this situation? What can I do to prevent this from happening? He may, in my opinion, have gone a little to the extreme on the other side of it, saying, hey, guys, I'm not lifting. This is what you've got to deal with. But everybody knows what they've got now with Brad and the way that he's going to race there, and that's his prerogative to do things how he sees. I I think I personally agree with William in that that may have been a little uncalled for yesterday. I didn't really see a block. But, again, I'll say this, that what we see and the way that we see it from different camera angles, it looks totally different behind the wheel of a race car going 200 miles per hour.
2: Yeah, DJ had a great point earlier. I was watching you. And like he said, we sat here at the desk. It's totally different sitting in those cars. Totally different. And it's hard to second guess those guys or what their intent was or where they were at at the same time just the camera angles and the evidence that we have i have to side with william byron a little bit on this we showed an accident that happened last year that was in the middle of a race or towards the end of the race really we're going for the trophy at that point this is at the end of a practice it's totally different how you approach it and and brad's words don't really sometimes line up with what we're seeing here on the screen there's not a lane to the inside he's not down on the yellow line there was some momentum there. Don't get me wrong. But Brad says, if I look in the mirror and the guy behind me can't see the car in front of me, we've got to run through that. No, you don't. There's a responsibility for you to see that run coming, to know you're at the end of the road, and wave your hand, slow some stuff down. You have a responsibility behind that wheel also, not to just run in the corner. Basically, his words said, if I get a run, I'm going to run over somebody. That's basically what he said at the end of that practice. I don't believe that's what Brad meant. I think that was frustration, the heat of the moment. He just is tired of being cut off and being put in that position.
1: Well, coming up, we're going to hear what Kyle Busch and Joey Logano had to say about every uh, about this uh, earlier today. You see, the the wind is picking up a little bit. <laughs> the skies are darkening, it's a but chance, we're not is. we're not going anywhere <laughs> quite yet. And by the way, if stuff does t- sort of happen on the track, we need like a bodyguard, someone to go after him. We've got just the guy because joining our NASCAR on NBC broadcast team this weekend here at Daytona is driver Jesse Owuji, an all-around athlete. Jesse played football at the U.S. Navy. Academy. In 2010, he began his service in the Navy as a surface warfare officer, and after seven years of active duty, he transitioned to the Navy Reserve, where just last week, he was promoted to Lieutenant Commander. We mentioned he's a driver. He made his K&N Pro Series debut in 2016. Two years later, made his first start in the Truck Series. He raced last week at Chicagoland Speedway, and this weekend, he is a broadcaster. He is paired up with Rutledge Wood. Oh, this should be good. Rut, what are you guys up to? You know
6: what is so fun, Krista, to be in Daytona for a 4th of July weekend and get to be with a hero like Jesse. What an amazing thing. You know, Jesse, we've gotten to see you at the track over the years. You know, I first met uh, really as a, as a guy looking to get his feet wet and up and in racing. And now here we are on this amazing weekend and you're taking the time to hang with us for the fans to see this different side of you thanks for doing this
7: yeah no, it was pretty fun it's pretty interesting being here they told us an awesome place i love being here and then we have all this military stuff right next to us and that's making me feel at home right? right i mean i know
6: this is the army stuff that we're seeing over here there's a dune buggy there's an auto car and ambulance uh and since you spent time in the navy what kind of fun stuff did you guys get to play with
7: We've got to play with a lot of fun stuff. You know, for me, I was on the ships because I was a surface warfare officer. Um, but we did do some things with the Army, with the Marines, and we kind of mix around with some of the other branches, just doing some joint stuff. But uh, being on deployment in the Middle East, you definitely see a lot of the other branches. But we do have these cool vehicles here. They have machine guns, grenade launchers, 50 cals, everything so it's pretty cool to be here and i feel like i'm at home yeah. racing and military it's, it's it's great it's everything let's
6: take a little walk because we're out here in the fan zone certainly there's a race car over here but i want to know for a guy who played football at the naval Reserve then into the Navy as an officer. Like, How did being a race car driver come about at all for you? Because on paper, it's a hard jump to
7: make. It definitely is. And a lot of people will tell you it's impossible. But for me, um, I was sitting in my room one night in January 2014, and I wrote on my vision board, my whiteboard, I said, Jesse, become a professional race car driver. Once I set that down on paper and I just tried to make that vision come into reality, um, You know, it started grinding and grinding and networking and meeting up with late model teams so I could get a late model ride and then start working my way up, and now I'm ready in the NASCAR Truck Series.
6: So uh, and I know we
7: got some uh, some some fellow Navy guys here. Yeah, Kings Bay, Georgia. They're from Kings Bay, Georgia. So how's it going, y'all? Enjoying your time here at Daytona International Speedway?
5: Oh, it's been a great time. Uh, we uh, very fortunate to have the opportunity to come down and spend a little time. This is my first Daytona race. I've done a few
7: in Bristol, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a great weekend. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's pretty fun. And these guys, they're from the submarine side of the Navy, so the nuclear side. I wasn't smart enough to go to the nuke side, but uh, y'all have some brains, a lot more brains than me. I was just on the ship, so uh, we just kind of help protect y'all, and y'all protect us, and we can never see where you're going.
6: (laughs) I like this. Now, uh, so many people in the garage, Jesse, know you previously as LT, but with that uh, that new promotion, now what are they going to call you?
7: Yeah, with the new promotion, now I am selected to promote to lieutenant commander. So now I'm lieutenant commander select. And uh, she'll be putting on the rank over sometime in the next 10 months or so. So I'm looking forward to it. And then I'm pretty happy to be able to get to that rank. I didn't think I would be in the Navy this long, and, and I have been. So nine years strong. Plan on going to 20. And, uh, yeah, keep on going up. That's
6: unbelievable, man. Congratulations. Thanks for your service. Uh, Chris, so we're going to get a lot more time with Jesse. We're going to check out some paint schemes later on. He's going to be with us tomorrow. Guys, thank you so much for your service. Krista, I know you're having fun up there, but when you get to walk around with a hero like Jesse, I tell you what, everything feels awesome down here. And
1: those gentlemen right there are our heroes. We are forever indebted to our military members. So cool to have Jesse sort of walking us through things this weekend. Teams here getting ready for the Xfinity Series race tonight. A lot of activity behind us on Pit Road, hoping to get this race in. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to switch gears to the Cup Series because we have a driver with us. That's Michael McDowell. He is at the Peacock Pit Box. He's going to jump up here and tell us why he's one to watch tomorrow night.
5: We're going racing at Daytona.
3: Go get the points, Eric! Come on, baby! Great job, guys!
5: <laughs> oh, they're <wrecked> right behind you!
3: Idiots, <inaudible> man! What a run here! The late going at Daytona! Great team effort today.
5: Very proud. I saw that coming.
3: oh
6: Pulling around, nose to tail. Three wide attack! Woo!
7: America! We are the champs!
1: You never know what to expect at Daytona. And over the last seven races here, the driver who has collected the most points is Michael McDowell. He's got a pair of top fives during this stretch, including a fifth in this year's Daytona 500. No question, he's excited about racing here this weekend. We welcome the driver of the number 34 Ford Mustang for Front Row Motorsports. We love having him here. He's got the loves colors on. (laughs) But you were just talking, of all people who would wish that you guys would have been able to qualify, it was you.
4: Yeah, definitely. We have a fast uh, Ford Mustang. It'd have been nice to uh, to qualify today. So starting 28th is not what we expect here at Daytona. But uh, it's a long race. A lot can happen, and um, you know it just changes the strategy a little bit. Uh, you got to put yourself in position at the end of the race. It's uh, that first stage is is definitely going to be uh, a challenge. But uh, we got to really fast forward, and we got Long John Silver on the car this weekend,
3: and uh, excited about our opportunities. So I saw you looking at all of those highlights and I could tell that you want to kind of shake your head. Yeah. Tell our viewers, what the heck goes on in driver's head as these laps wind down? What do you start thinking? Yeah. Or not thinking? Is that the
4: problem? <laughs> not, not thinking is the biggest problem. We, we had such a fast car last year, led a lot of laps, was in position to uh, to capitalize on a really great finish and maybe even a win. And um, as you see, things just unravel very quickly and uh, ended up on the hook and, and not the day that we wanted. But um, to have that kind of speed and have a car that was capable of winning. is probably the first time I've come here with a car that could lead the pack, and um, I could control the lanes and really felt like I was in a great position, and uh, it just kind of slipped away there at the, the later stages of the race, and, and it's really unfortunate, but, you know, it's tough to watch. I was watching on the big screen as you guys were rolling there, and, and to see Eric Jones win that race, and you just really had to be running at the end to have a shot at it. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of great cars left, Uh, Which makes you go back 30 laps and say, Man, why was I so impatient? Why was I pushing it so hard to get back to the front? Um, So you got to be patient, you got to make the right decisions, but you got to be in position, uh, and that means being in that top five on that last restart.
2: And and that's where I wanted to go. What traits make you? A good speedway racer because you're a good solid speedway racer week in and week out
4: well thank you i you know i really think that it, it's kind of two phases for me is you know people used to say well anybody can win down here and i thought about that and i and i watched a lot of film and i look at a lot of data i, I study the sport intensively and i realized it's the same 10 guys that are up front every single daytona and talladega that we go to now there's a few years where you might have a one-off winner but for the most part the guys that race up front are there every weekend and, um, and so I just went to work and figured out what they do and how they approach it and, and just the things that they were doing. Um, and then two is just enjoying it. I used to come here and, and just the nerves are so high when you're, you're four wide and, and you're 10, 20 deep. And, you know, I used to, to be so tense, I couldn't make the moves that I needed to make. And so once I learned to really love it and to enjoy it and um, and take it all in, you know, it really started to click and flow. And, and, and now when I come back here, you know, I look at the same thing. Well, anybody can win, but we run really well here. And we have for the last, you know, five years. So it's not a fluke. We know what to do and, and I know what I need to do. Um,
3: and hopefully this is the, the weekend that we can break through and get a win. So you look at those and the success that you've had, was with a rules package and cars that didn't change much during that time and what you had earlier this year when you had a great run in the Daytona 500 now something totally different so what you know from the race at Talladega and the little bit of practice you got here yesterday how is the racing going to be different from your perspective as a driver will there be things you have to do differently? Definitely things that we have to do differently. These cars suck up and build momentum differently than
4: the old package. Um, You know, at Talladega, we had a fast car, didn't get to run a lot. I only got 10 laps in that race uh, before getting into that first accident. So I don't have the experience to, to know, okay, in 10 laps it does this, 20 laps it does this. But for the most part, from the driver's standpoint, it still drives like Daytona. It still drives like Talladega. You're doing the same things in the car. You're trying to time those runs and, and get the momentum. And, and even though the rules package is very different, the cars still feel like they normally do. And, and I think that you'll you'll race the same way.
2: You know, when you sat down here, you said, I said, where'd you qualify? And you said, 28, no, you know, starting by points. And you said, that puts us right on the edge in that first segment, strategy-wise. Explain that.
4: Well, for me, I've always found if I can wedge myself up in that top 10 and stay there all night long, that's my best shot. Um, A lot of years that I've come here, haven't had cars that had the speed that I have now. And that was really my trick, is just get wedged up in that top lane, get in that top 10 and fight hard all night long to stay up in that position and now you have to look at it a little bit different where I'm starting 28th it's high risk from 15th to 30th it's very easy to get wound up in somebody else's mess when you're in that top 10 you can kind of control it a little bit better um, and so that's what I'm referring to is you we know you're going to have to get back to the top 10 in the top five when you do that how you do that uh, especially here at the 4th of July it just seems like this race in particular has more cautions early on and so you got to be cautious of that you got to know um, and you got to feel it and I I think that's a lot of the super speedway racing is you feel it and you sense it and Dale and Kyle you know you can see it happening you're like oh no I'm getting out of here I know it's coming Um, but lately that's every lap that's every lap racing here because the intensity people are blocking runs used to be that guy's getting wild and crazy I'm getting out of here well that's every lap now and so (laughs) you have to stay aggressive you have to put yourself in position but you still got to be smart and uh, you got to be there at the end
1: we love your perspective too. Yeah, embracing yeah. it. You, embracing yeah, it. That's good
2: stuff.
4: We know good a stuff. lot
1: of folks out there are gonna be rooting for you. And and you know, we talk a lot on social media, hashtags. It's not hashtags, it's Hush Puppies he's racing with tonight. <laughs> Again, right. this long John Silver some love. <laughs> thanks very much, Michael McDowell, certainly one to watch. Uh, we wanna find out what's going on in the in the fan zone, yes. or where are you, Rhett?
6: We are now on the front stretch. Jesse said, I want to get out there. I want to go hang with the fans. So, yeah, this is us down here. We look great.
7: Jesse, what are we going to talk about when we get back? We're going to talk about some paint schemes, some real cool paint schemes. How
6: about it? Let's do it. Let's find the coolest, most patriotic paint schemes when we get back live here at Daytona.
4: Tyler Reddick picking up right where
2: he left off last year at Homestead.
0: Been a dominant afternoon for Christopher Bell. It is his fourth win of the year. Cole Custer has risen to the occasion.
7: For the fourth time this year, Cole Custer is a winner.
1: Xfinity Series drivers getting ready to race. Coming up, we'll have Countdown to Green, followed by Xfinity Series Racing under the lights at Daytona and the post-race show. All right, so some of those cars, all those cars covered up for the Xfinity Series race, but what about the paint schemes? That we've seen in the garage today, Rutledge. That's what you told us you were going to talk about, right?
6: Yeah, that's right. You know, I think you got to give props to a guy like Bubba Wallace who decided to really throw down the gauntlet to everybody when they started talking about paint schemes. Take a look at the picture that he tweeted. He threw it down. He said, uh, "Guys, not going to delete later. Best paint scheme here, hands down. Fight me, Jesse Wuji.
7: Do you feel the same way about an Air Force paint scheme? I mean, it looks good. and I have a lot of experience against Air Force. You know, I played them in football when I was in college. And two of the highlights in that game was one, the hardest hit I have ever received in my life was against Air Force. But we went on to beat them that game. And I blocked the field goal to do so.
6: So if you had to pick, you're giving them credit. But because you're a Navy guy, it's hard to say, OK, that's the best one. Go Navy. Beat Air Force. Noted. But Bubba, the paint scheme looks awesome. I love the rivets. Let's talk about some of our favorites. What are some others that jumped
7: out to you? Yeah, so the 88. Um, 88 looked real good, too. The, uh, the eight, or sorry, the nine and the um, the nineteen. 19, let's, take 19 a look at, let's take a look
6: at, at Alex Bowman's here. Uh, really cool that Valvoline wanted to be a part of that. You can see with with Chase, same thing. Napa
7: got behind that. I just love this is a, patri- just a patriotism behind it. It's they look great. I mean, you got the American flag looking on all these different. Oh, man, I, I just love it. Isn't it cool? <laughs> it's good.
6: I mean, NASCAR Salutes certainly being down here on such a, a, a patriotic week as the July 4th weekend. I mean, Jesse, did you notice even the pre-race stage? Like, everything it's, down here, it's all about USA, about this special weekend. I think those are some bait, great
7: paint schemes. We're going to see some other good ones tonight, too. Very patriotic. I love it. NASCAR Salutes. Can't Daytona, beat it. baby. You can't <laughs> beat it. Krista?
1: If I recall, didn't that 88 in the Xfinity Series used to have that Navy sponsorship? I feel like yeah, Jesse might be yes. playing a little favors, but listen, who can blame <laughs> him? Yeah, it's a Stars and Stripes weekend. That's the floss, Kyle. That little boy is doing the floss <laughs> right there. That's all I can That's all I can offer you. And he walked off. That's a walk-off. <laughs> Coming up, we talked about the fact that Kyle Busch and Joey Logano have chimed in on the Brad Kozlowski-William Byron incident. We will hear what they had to say next.
5: Denny
2: Hamlin's trying to block all lanes. He's to the outside, to the inside, to the checkered flag. Denny Hamlin has won the Daytona 500. A one, two, three sweep for Joe
3: Gibbs Racing.
5: This is the greatest victory I've ever had, period, in my life. Better than Super Bowls. Better than Super Bowls. Better than championships and racing. This was the most emotional and the best win for me ever because of J.D. and his life and the kind of life he lived.
1: Oh, that one was special indeed. Denny Hamlin racing for the Daytona suite tomorrow night. He's going to start sixth after qualifying was canceled due to weather. The field set by owner points, meaning Joey Logano and Kyle Busch will start on the front row. Now, they have both taken notice of the Brad Kozlowski-William Byron incident and had this to say earlier today.
8: I mean, I guess he sent the message of... <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said afterwards, I guess, right on, on TV. And uh, I'd say message delivered to the field, I guess he, he had the opportunity to send a message and, and he did. I think there's a lot of blocking that's accepted, especially in today's world of racing and, and especially in stock car racing. Um, and even this year, maybe more than ever with the 550 rules where, you know, places like Chicago or Kansas or Charlotte, like it's more something we're all getting used to and it's kind of part of it. But there is that other level where, the guy that's getting blocked has to give unless you both crash. And at that point, if you're willing to make that move, you have to be willing to take the the punches with it, right? You got to be willing to take the the hit that you're going to be receiving in the back bumper, or you're crossed up, or you got to be willing to say we're we're going to crash. Uh, it's a risky move. Um, those risks will be taken. I mean, taken any any time, you know, whether it's early in the race, definitely at the end of the race um where where those those blocks will happen um and i'm not saying that that i won't i will too it's part of it we're all gonna do it um because it's just the way we race these days and uh you just gotta be ready for the repercussions of of that action one way or the other after what brad did yesterday in practice i mean do you think
4: i mean will people are people tired of the way people are blocking, do you feel that people will be doing less lifting and did what he do impact
8: how anybody's going to race tomorrow? I've never seen Brad lift behind me anyways, so <laughs> I don't anticipate if it's an 18 car he's going to do anything any different. So um, you have to be careful with who you're who you're racing, who you're doing things with, and what's going on. Tony always kind of said that two years ago, you know, and I threw a, a big block on him in 2008 and about ended up on my lid. So, um
1: Okay, so both drivers kind of chiming in. That's the front row, by the way. And it kind of goes back, Kyle, to what Michael McDowell was talking yeah. about. The, the racing is just so intense and aggressive every lap.
2: Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a lot different. It, it's, it's a lot different. And I, I appreciate what both of those drivers said. Obviously little bit of a dig there by Kyle Busch saying that, <laughs> you know, at the 18, it's never the, the Brad K races in that way. I think Joey's comments, uh, I guess he sent a message. He did send a message. I think everybody's talking about it. We've got our, our front row sitting in the media center. They're talking about it. The media is still talking about it. A lot of blocking is acceptable now. We've talked about it on this show, how the racing has changed. And these guys are a lot more aggressive in blocking. The other thing he says is if you make that move, you're going to have to take the punches. And he meant that. To William Byron. My problem with this, I never saw William Byron make a move. Yeah. You know what I mean? That that that's been our problem all along. Yes, he sent a message, but I'm telling you, it's still the driver's responsibility in these cars who hang on to those steering wheels and who mash that right pedal and who have an opportunity to mash that middle pedal for a break and slow that thing down to take care of each other. Especially in practice, early in a race, late in a race, yeah, that's acceptable. I I look at that and I say that might be a little, I won't say it's acceptable, might be a little more acceptable. (laughs) You know what I mean? I may look at it through a different set of lenses. But right now, uh, it did send a message to everybody in the garage area. It's going to be a very aggressive race.
3: Oh, the message sent, do I think that it's going to make people race Brad Keselowski any different? I don't think not any at all. I think they knew before what they were dealing with, and I think that they still know what they're dealing with there. Brad, is, to me, has always been very aggressive at these in doing the blocking uh, in the cases that he's out front, and I think that he has to accept that fact too, and he probably has. I know what he's talking about from all of this was the times that he's given people breaks, and then he gets run into from behind, but you can't guarantee right there that in making that move and going going through that car in front of you and hitting it, that it's not going to sweep you into an accident, too. So you have to accept that and be willing to accept that. So it's just turned into a whole different game. Uh, and, and the level of it, you, I've always said, you can block, but you also have to be willing to accept the responsibility that you might get yeah. turned in that
2: situation. Yeah, and, and let, let's go back to the very first Brad Keselowski victory, OK, that we all applauded. How did he Talladega. do it? By being aggressive, Yeah. by sending, that, by sending Carl Edwards up on his roof down the front stretch because you can't go below that yellow line he respected that yellow line he held his ground and that's the way he's always driven so to dale's point everyone knows how brad k runs Everyone knows what he drives, how he drives. He comes here for one purpose, not to make friends, to win trophies.
3: Yeah, and I think that's one thing that I've always appreciated watching him is he is aggressive in making that. His teammate Joey Logano is too. When Joey's out front, you know, I think that they do a great job. They have a great uh, relationship and respect with their spotters. And and I think that others know that when they're out front, they're going to get blocked a lot in in those situations. It's driving through the people. I think, you know, you don't want to take unnecessary chances. But late in the race, I, I looked at that as unnecessary risk to take yesterday in practice, that I would have taken my chance with my teammate, who's a champion driver in Joey Logano, seeing what's going on and not hitting me yeah. from behind. Now, in the race, especially as you pointed out, late, late stages of a race, I totally understand being utter aggressive in that type of a situation and doing what you have to do to try to win.
1: If it's done nothing else, do you feel like it is just taking what we already know is what I said, an intense and aggressive race <laughs> under the lights and just sort of yeah. u- up to the yeah. End?
2: Oh, yeah. It's taken it to a different level. That, that one instant in practice yesterday, has changed the whole atmosphere in the garage area for the drivers, for the crews, the expectations for the fans on what we're going to see on NBC. It has taken that and ramped it up a little bit because everybody here has been talking aggression. The key word at, Talladega or at Daytona this week has been aggressive driving.
3: Yeah, and I think it goes back a little bit to Talladega with this rules package that everybody said, oh, my gosh, the runs are so big, we're going to see all kinds of things happen. So it, in Talladega and with everything they talked about, it was relatively Tame, so to speak. So I think they got a little more confidence in what they have here, but you don't have the room that you have at yeah. Talladega. The runs are big, and I think that's where the blocking side of it, and I think that may be a little more the message that Brad's sending. Hey, we're coming at a faster rate. Be careful in trying yeah. to make the blocks that you did before.
1: And when you hear drivers talk about that new package, the first time we've raced here, the drivers have raced here without a restrictor plate since yeah. July of 1987. And for six decades, racing at Daytona on the 4th of July weekend has been one of NASCAR greatest traditions well as that tradition prepares to change the King Richard Petty shares his thoughts on what it's meant to him and the sport
5: here in North Carolina at my family's shop it's always been about getting your hands dirty and working to the bone decade after decade for our family we sacrifice the holidays the vacations the sunshine but at least one weekend in the early summer it was about something a little more than racing. It was about the beach. The sand, salt, scenery, Florida on a mile of his birthday. Family tradition, like barbecues and fireworks. Daytona Beach has been our NASCAR camping spot. I can still remember my dad skimming the waves with the right front on the old beach course. It's still the world center of racing, and it's meant the world for racing families providing a setting of two of the greatest feel-good finishes in NASCAR history, both connected with Independence Day.
8: Gentlemen, start your engines.
5: My 200th and final victory came on July the 4th, 1984, when President Ronald Reagan famously arrived during the Firecracker 400 Many fans that day were fixed on Air Force One as the cars flew down the backstretch A perfect backdrop. But I was fixing on Peel on the final lap.
3: We are building toward a dramatic finish. President Ronald Reagan's looking on alongside Bill Brands, Jr. They are door to door in the dogleg. They touch, coming to the trial, down to the line. It's Richard Petty by a foot.
5: After a climb, the first commander in chief shook my hand and congratulated me. 200 races, he said. I understand that no one in the whole history of racing has ever done that, or ever uh, won 200 races. The excitement was just as memorable in 2001, when Dale Hernard Jr. rallied mass coronation to victory.
0: Using lessons learned from his father can
5: scored the victory! A special tribute to his dad. The sounds and smells of Daytona are as much about ocean breeze and salt water for the fans as they are for rumbling V8s and actual Grease for me. As NASCAR moves forward into a new era while honoring the past, it's still all about Daytona Beach, where memories and moments that last a lifetime are made.
1: A special tradition indeed. Kyle, Dale, this is this was your family vacation. Like, like the king said, this is where you came every July.
2: I tell people all the time, I was nine years old before I realized the ocean didn't touch the – the Daytona Beach wasn't the only place the ocean touched the United States. <laughs> because this is the only place we saw it. But it was. The tradition of coming here the 10 o'clock race in the morning on the beach by 2 o'clock watching some great races the paul revere 250 that they would run the night before the firecracker 400 before coca-cola and and big sponsors came along to take it over this is where my sister sharon lisa uh rebecca this is where we grew up in this infield just like dale and and patty and uh and your family yeah
3: yeah i mean we spent many a vacation yeah. here in july's together and and you know this is what we knew and yeah, you know, that that was so good. I mean, for the King to do that, take the time and, and tell the whole story of it. And you know, that, that was a special day. I'll never forget. I actually got to be in that, that race in 84 for, for Jimmy means and to, for the King to win that with, with the president here, my dad interviewing the uh, president Reagan, uh, just incredible. But uh, you know, this is, this is what we've known and uh, yeah, it's going to come to an end. Everything has to, uh, but uh, it's also been very special to a lot of us.
2: Yeah. It's a, it's a tough tradition to walk away from for me. I, 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 I got to be honest. But but sometimes in watching that, I think sometimes we forget how many great races there's been here in July. Yeah. Richard Petty's 200, Dale Jr. winning that race yep. after Dale Sr.'s accident. So many great moments happen at Daytona in July. We say it means the world to win at Daytona. It does. No matter what you win at Daytona. If we win the race to the parking lot, it's a big <laughs> win because it's at Daytona. That's how special this race is. So yeah, sometimes we forget that, and people think about Oh, it's the July race at Daytona, but so much tradition has revolved around this July race during the
1: year. Yeah, this race moving on the schedule. There is going to be a race. Uh, it's going to be our race up to the broadcast booth because, <laughs> as you can see behind us, the story has changed a little bit. That dark sky sort of opened up. Uh, it is pouring here at Daytona, but we're going to go upstairs, and when we come back from this commercial break, the boys in the booth are going to take over, and we'll join them in just a little bit.